0: The following is a presentation of the PTB Media Network. Parking the Bus podcast can be followed on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Or if you have an Amazon Echo by simply saying, Alexa, play the Parking the Bus podcast. Don't forget to check out the show's homepage at www.parkingthebusmedia.com. What's up, PTB Nation? Welcome to another episode of Parking the Bus. This is episode 71 here on the PTB Media Network. Special hello to everybody watching right now on Periscope, on YouTube, on my Facebook page, on uh, www.parkingthebusmedia.com. Hello to everybody. Happy Monday night. Here in the world of football And tonight we have a special episode Tonight we're talking all about continental football today And what I mean by continental, of course, is I'm talking specifically South America and CONCACAF Um, In South America, they're in the quarterfinal stages of their tournaments In CONCACAF, they are in the semifinal stages of their tournaments So that's where the key focus tonight's going to be We're also checking in on preliminary action in... uh, In Europe, including the early preliminary rounds of the UEFA Champions League, as well as the UEFA Europa League and the UEFA, um, the Europa Conference, the UEFA Europa Conference League, which is a new competition starting this year. Also, we'll talk briefly on the European Super Cup. And I want to talk a little bit about it, about whether or not that is a actual major tournament. I think it is. Um, I mean, it's a major final in my book. UEFA recognizes it as an official title. Therefore, I recognize it as an official title. Um, A lot of you you or a lot of the journalists and a lot of the pundits in the UK disagree. They think it's a preseason match. Um, I don't think anyone else takes it that way other than them. Uh, But we'll talk about that at the end of the the episode. That'll be the closing segment today. We're going to start, however in South America with the biggest of them all right now, at least for the stage of the tournament that it's at. We're going to start with the Copa Libertadores that took place this past week. All right, the second legs of the quarterfinals are, are right ahead of us starting Tuesday night this week. But in the first leg, last Tuesday, August the 10th at the Murambi in São Paulo, Brazil. It is a São Paulo derby. Sao Paulo taking on Palmeiras, and let's take a look here at the lineups for this one. Starting with the visitors and the defending champions, the current title holders of the Copa Libertadores. I'm talking about Palmeiras, of course, managed by Portuguese manager Abel Ferreira, and his goalkeeper is Brazil international Weverton. He's got three across the back. He's playing a 3-4-2-1. His three across the back, Luan Garcia is the right center back. Gustavo Gomez is the center back with Renan Victor, the left center back. The wide wingbacks, Marcos Hosha on the right and Breno Lopsch on the left with a double pivot midfield inside of them. That's Zé Rafael and Danilo in front of them, two attacking midfielders. Dudu partners with Rafael Vega, and they're playing behind the striker, Ronnie. Notice a few names missing from that starting lineup um, since the last time we talked about Palmeiras. Yeah, you're, you'll notice that Luis Adriano not in the 11. He's on the bench for this one. So is Gustavo Scarpa as well as Patrick Carrero and Wesley. Also all on the bench for Abel Ferreira. Lots of options to go to in this one. For Sao Paulo, for the Tricolor, um, playing at home in the, in the Morumbi like we said. Playing for... Former Argentina great and current uh, manager, Hernan Crespo, as he goes with a 4-4-2. Thiago Volpi is the goalkeeper across the back. Dani Alves, the right back. Miranda and Robert Arboleda, the center back, pairing with Leo as the left back. The two central midfielders, Luan Santos and Liseiro, partner up with Rodrigo Nestor to his right and Gabriel Sara to his left. In the attack, Two strikers. It is Emiliano Rigoni and Pablo, the, the key um, striker for this Sao Paulo team as uh, the two rivals take to the pitch. And again, this is in the Morambi, of course, still, unfortunately, with nobody in attendance in Sao Paulo. And um, well, the match gets off to a good start as uh, we have opportunities early on for both sides. And I'm pulling up the ticker as we speak. And, you know, this is the pressure in this first leg, I think, is really on Sao Paulo. Now, in South America, they're still using the away goals rule. Okay, the other thing in South America in the second leg, if it's tied, there is no extra time. It goes straight to penalties. So if it's still tied on aggregate and on away goals. So I think there's a little bit more pressure for Sao Paulo in this one, because if Sao Paulo is going to advance, they need to do well at home. Okay, they need to not surrender a boatload of away goals, obviously. If they're gonna go to the 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 Alliance Park for the second leg and try to get themselves in position to advance to knock out the champions, they're gonna need to take care of business here at home. And we get an opportunity right off the bat, like I said, Luan Santos has a right footed shot from outside the box, close, but misses left following a corner in the second minute. And in the 14th, it's Gabriel Sada for Sao Paulo with a right-footed shot from the center of the box, saved in the center of the goal by Weverton. He got on the, the end of a cross from Danny Alves. Danny Alves, as you know, um, went just, just won another Olympic gold medal with Brazil. Um, so they add that to his, his, his title total. He is the most decorated player in the history of football in terms of titles won. He's won, I think, it's 47 or 48 official titles. Um, the the Olympics not included in that. If it were, he would have an, another one. Uh, the Olympics, as we've said, is not a major tournament. It is an under-23 tournament, and it does not go on a player's um, official tally. None of the goals, none of the appearances, none of that factors into anything official for them. But it is another title for Dani Alves. She has won everything there is to win. And um, I think that's why the headline was made that he won the Olympics. That was the last thing he had left to win. Um, he he's won the Champions League. He's won the Copa Libertadores. He's won the Europa League. He, he's won the French League. He's won the Spanish League. He's won it all. Okay, he has won it all in this game. He's everything except the World Cup, of course. That's the one. That's the one uh, title he has not won. Okay moving forward here now we have uh he has won Copa America twice now also so in the 20th minute it is Renan of Palmeiras Renan Victor with the opportunity a header from the left side of the box the 6 yard box that is close but misses to the right after getting on the end of a cro- of a cross from Dudu Bryn Lopsch has his opportunity in the 21st also from Dudu but he misses to the right as well Zahafaiello wins a free kick in the 26th minute um doesn't lead to anything, however. And we will fast forward here and get to the 37th where Sao Paulo have another opportunity. Rodrigo Nestor, the left-footed shot from outside the box. But it is high. Again, this is a cagey affair between two rivals that know each other very well. All right. They play each other in the Sao Paulo, Paulo Championship. They play against each other in the Brasileirão. They're playing against each other now in the Copa Libertadores. These two teams know each other um, inside and out. And we go to halftime with the result nil-nil after a missed opportunity in the 44th by Gustavo Gomez. His header from the center of the box misses to the left. And guess who whipped in the cross once again? That's right. It is (laughs) Dudu. He is the one that delivers these crosses, deliver these these final third deliveries that puts his teammates in position to score in position to factor in the in the match result in the end. All right. After halftime, we get up. We get substitutions here in the 45th. We get one for each team. Abel Freyda sends on Westlake, takes off Bryn Lopes. Remember Bryn Lopes? She's the hero of last last season's Copa Libertadores final. He scored that winner in extra time. Westlake comes on for him in this one. And Hernan Crespo makes a change of his own. Wellington comes in. Robert Arboleda is off. And Rodrigo Nestor has a chance right in the first minute of, of the second half. Uh, he, he plays, of course, for Sao Paulo, a left-footed shot from the right side of the box, saved in the top center of the goal by Weverton. We move on, Renan Victor goes into the referee's book with a yellow card in the 46th, and moving ahead, we get to the goal, finally, uh, after a series of misses from both teams, we finally break the deadlock in the 53rd. And it is Sao Paulo. It is the home side at the Morumbi. Going ahead, the Tricolor. They pull ahead from Luan Santos. He has a left-footed shot from the center of the box. He puts it in the top left corner. And he makes it 1-0 to Sao Paulo. And how will Palmeiras react? Uh, They react quite quickly, (laughs) missing an opportunity to level it. Just two minutes later, Rafael Vega. Right-footed shot from outside the box and misses to the right. Another substitution in the 58th, Luis Adriano replaces Ronnie. And then we get Luis Adriano and Wesley hooking up a little bit later in the 59th, but the attempt ends up being blocked. Wesley with the right-footed shot from outside the box, but it is blocked by Miranda after receiving that pass from Luis Luis Adriano. Uh, Lizero misses the opportunity to go up 2-0 in the 61st. And we move on another substitution here. In the 68th, Patrick is on Patrick for zefael as Palmeiras push forward, looking for that all-important away goal and that all-important equalizer. Igor Gomes replaces Rodrigo Nestor for Hernán Crespo's Sao Paulo team in the 72nd. But then it comes in the 73rd. It is Patrick. Patrick uh, from a free kick with a left-footed shot into the bottom left corner. One-one, the champions pull level, get that all important away goal. Now they have a level result that they can take home with them, which would put them, you know, on the front foot in the second leg and with all to lose as they will effectively be ahead in the tie going forward. And the two teams will jostle and will, will trade opportunities. None of them will, will finish in the opportunity section. The match ends one to one. That goes now to the Allianz Park. Uh, the home of Palmeiras later this week. One-one. Palmeiras ahead right now on the away goal. Wednesday, the eleventh of August. Two matches that night. We start in Paraguay. It is Olympia taking on the twenty nineteen winners. That's of course Flamengo. Renato Gaúcho's Flamengo side goes in to Paraguay. They go in to. The Estadio Manuel Ferreira in Asuncion, to be exact. It is uh they're taking on it is uh Flamengo taking on Olympia. Let's look at the lineups here. Olympia, the home side, managed by Sergio Orteman. He lines up in a 4-4-2. Alfredo Aguilar is the goalkeeper for the Paraguayan side. Four across the back, Victor Salazar, Saul Salcedo, Richard Ortiz, and Ivan Torres across the back in midfield. Uh, The two in the center of midfield, Brian Ojeda and Edgardo Orzuza in the center with Ramon Sosa down the left and Derlis Gonzalez down the right. Walter Gonzalez uh, partners with the legend, uh, the Paraguayan legend, Roque Santa Cruz, former Bayern Munich striker uh, to round out the 11 for Olympia. Their opponents of course managed like I said by Renato Gaúcho Flamengo fresh off a beatdown at the hands of of Internacional Porto Alegre we talked about that in uh, we'll talk about that tomorrow night in episode 72 when I recap the Brazilian League as well as a couple of the Brazilian League and um, the Liga MX and the Major League Soccer etc in that episode um We'll hear about that, but they're fresh off a beatdown to, at home from the hands of Internacional Porto Alegre. So Flamingo playing with their pride in their hands, they really have to—they really have to give something here. And I was confident Flamingo were going to respond well. Flamingo does not have too bad, uh, too bad, embarrassing results in a row ever. And I—they—they they definitely answered the call here, playing four-four-two. Diego Alves, of course, is the goalkeeper. Across the back, Mauricio Isla, the right back. Gustavo Henrique and Leo Pereira, the selected uh, center back pairing on the night. And Felipe Luiz is the left back. The double pivot in midfield, none other than William Arão and the captain, Diego Everton Hivedo to the right. And the super on form, despite having an off night against Porto Alegre Super on form, Bruno Henrique on the left and... In the front, they have Georgian de partnering up with none other than the one and the only the hero of the 2019 final. I'm talking, of course, about Gabriel Barboza. You and I know him better as Gabigol. And they partner up front for this one. Okay, so it starts off. Uh, it starts off fast for Flamengo. The Brazilian side goes into Paraguay, like I said, with with anger in their hearts and with with a mission to avenge the the poor result on the weekend and, remi- and with the mission to remind everyone just who they are that they are the monstrous flamingo one of the most supported clubs in all of the world and in the 16th minute it is the uruguay international de hasqueta getting on the board he scores in the 16th minute gabi goal adds two he gets one at the 45th plus 12 that's right 12 minutes of stoppage time uh, in this one. And the Hascaeta makes it 2-0. But still in that first half stoppage time. 45th plus 14. It is Olympia making it 2-1 going in to the break. And we look at it from there. We'll pick up the ticker in the second half. Then after all that stoppage time... Um, we, we take a look, okay, and we will pick it up, like I said, in the second half. I'm just making sure nothing I missed here of importance is we had a substitution in the 31st due to an injury for, for Olympia and um, a, a whole bunch of yellow cards. But moving into the second half, then after we got two goals in a total of 15 minutes of stoppage time. In uh, this first half, in the fifty-first minute, it is once again Flamengo, and it starts off with a uh, with Georgian de Hascaeta finding Bruno Henrique. Bruno Henrique takes a left-footed shot from outside the box, misses just right. But a moment later, after a failed um, after a failed attempt at building up for the Paraguayans... It is Bruno Henrique who collects it and he he centers it towards the, the center of the box where none other than Gabi goal finds the open space. Gabi goal with a right-footed shot from the center of the box, buries it. Buries it for Flamengo. It's 3-1 to the away side now. And Flamengo looking good, feeling comfortable heading into the final leg. A couple substitutions made by... Uh, Renato Gaucho here in the 56th minute. On comes Ramon to replace Felipe Luiz. And Mateuzinho replaces Mauricio Isla. So the outside wingbacks get a rest. That's the end of their day. Olympia make a couple of substitutions in the 59th to counter. Quintana replaces Orzuza. And Jorge Recalde replaces Walter Gonzalez but it's still all Flamengo all Flamengo Everton Ribeiro with an opportunity in the 63rd Bruno Henrique in the 64th the Hascaeta with an opportunity in the 65th and it's it's all Flamengo like we said 69th it's Everton Ribeiro with an opportunity substitution in the 72nd Mishael replaces Everton Ribeiro and Matheusinho has an opportunity in the 74th we'll fast forward to the goal which the final goal comes here towards the end of the match. It's in the 90th, and it is Vicino, the substitute, one of one of the unsung heroes in this team, I have to say, in the two and a half, three seasons I've been watching this team closely now. Vicino, every time he's called on, he, he gives you something, and this would be no different. Vicino comes on, repl- and he gets an assist from Gabigol, and his right-foot shot from the center of the box goes into the, f- into the bottom left corner, It is 4-1 to the away side. That's how it would finish. Flamingo go back home with a 4-1 victory. They're, of course, going to be playing the second leg, not at the historic Maracanã. The Maracanã is getting its pitch replaced, so there are no matches at the Maracanã between the 13th of August and the 31st of August, if I have the dates correct. I think that's the correct dates. Um, They'll resume action at the Maracanã in September, but a brand-new sod, brand-new pitch being laid out at the Maracanã. Flamengo will play in their very comfortable home away from home in the capital, in Brasilia, the Estádio Mané Garincha, next week in the second leg. Okay, moving forward, still on Wednesday night, another marquee matchup: River Plate taking on Atlético Mineiro. When we get to the Brasileiro edition, there's talk of a big signing coming to Atlético Mineiro, but for the twenty for the 2018 champions, uh, River Plate they're flying the flag for Argentina right now trying to stay in this competition atletico of course already eliminated their their eternal rivals Boca Juniors and now they go in to Argentina for this one this one being played at this one was being played at the I believe it was back to at the monumental let me just verify that here I Yes, uh, this was played back at the Monumental in Buenos Aires, the normal home stadium of of uh, River Plate. And again, the Brazilian side go in. And the Brazilian side, this team is just absolutely shattering Argentine hearts this season. They, t- they get another one. And to make it all the more painful, well, let's look at the lineups quickly. River Plate playing, of course, for one of my favorite managers in world football, Marcello Gallardo, and they're at home playing in a 4-1-3-2. The goalkeeper, as always, Franco Armani. Cross the back, Milton Casco, Pablo Diaz, Héctor Martinez, and Fabrizio Angileri. Enzo Perez is playing in the holding mid role in the number six behind Nicolas de la Cruz, Bruno Zuccolini, and Jorge Carascal. The two stri- uh, the two strikers in front of them, Brian Romero and Julian Alvarez for Atletico Mineiro for the Galo playing for their manager, Kuka, who last year led Santos to the final. As we talk about many times, their goalkeeper in their four, two, three, one. Everson is the goalkeeper. The right back is Mariano. The center back pairing at Nathan and J- Junior Alonso with Guillerme Araña on the left. Double pivot in midfield, Alan Paris with Jair with three attacking midfielders in front of them. Federico uh, Serracho on the left. Uh, Ignacio Fernandez, the former River Plate player, the Argentine in the center of midfield, playing in that number 10 position with the Chilean former Tigre star Eduardo Vargas to his left. And they're playing behind the striker, the longtime uh, superstar. By the name uh, known by simply one name, of course, that is Hulk. So, again, I was about to announce that the match goes the way of the Brazilian side on the road here in the 56th minute, 58th minute, excuse me. It is Nacho Fernandez, the former River Plate player, scoring against his former club, the Argentine, scoring against the Argentine side. And uh, the Galu take the lead with a half hour to play roughly. In the 84th minute, however, Nacho Fernandez would be sent off by the referee. The straight red card. Uh, Atletico Minero forced to play with 10 and also forced. Uh, they'll be forced to be without Ignacio Fernandez in the second leg. But they see out the result. Uh, a bunch of substitutions made to hang on to it. We we see uh, Borrero Rever. Igor Ribello and Alan Franco all come on for the Galo. while we see Girotti, Paradella and Suarez come on for uh, River Plate to try to to get an equalizer at the very least going back to Brazil. Uh, but it will be Club Atlético Mineiro with the 1-0 victory on the road in Argentina. And the second leg now at the Mineirão will have immense, immense pressure on the Argentine Giants, the Milonarios, as they are going to look to try to overturn this. Remember, again, uh, Atletico Minedo have the away goal. We still are using away goals in South America. So if River Plate win 1-0, we're going to penalties. We're not playing extra time. We're going straight to penalties. If River Plate win by a goal, more the other with any result other than 1-0 if they win 2-1 if they win 3-2 they advance on away goals so everything's still to play for in this second leg in the last of the round of 16 kicked off on Thursday fluminense at the maracanã the final match being played there uh, before the closing of the of the stadium for the replacing of the pitch Fluminense versus Barcelona Guajanquil. This is a team I'm super high on. Uh, I've talked about them before. They had a phenomenal group stage. They're the only Ecuadorian side left in the competition. They're really flying the flag for everybody not from Brazil or Argentina. Uh, Quickly, the lineups in this one. Fluminense will come out. Their manager, uh, Roger Machado, will send out. A 4-2-3-1. Felipe is the goalkeeper. Samuel Nino, uh, Lucas Claro, and Igidio are the four in the back. Iago and Martin and Martinelli are the double pivot behind the three attacking midfielders. Juan Caceres in the center. Gabriel Teixeira and Luis Enrique on the flanks. And the ageless Fred is the striker, the former Olympic Lyon star, of course. For Barcelona Guajanquil, their manager Fabian Bustos sends out in to the Maracanã 4-2-3-1 as well. Javier Buray, the goalkeeper. Byron Castillo is the right back, Luis Leon and William Riveros. The center back, Mario Pineda. The left back, the double pivot, Bruno Pin- Pinatares. Uh, partners with Nixon Molina. Three attacking midfielders in front of them. Damian Diaz in the center in the number 10 position. Leandro Martinez to his right. Jonathan Perlaza to his left. And the striker is Gonzalo Mastriani. And this match had everything for you. I highly recommend going back to watch this one. I enjoyed watching this one. The uh, the match got off to a flying start. 26th minute, it was Teixeira putting... Fluminense in the lead at home and looking comfortable. However, we do get a change in the match here as things start to turn on their head in the second half. Um, So it starts off in the 68th minute where things start to really get... Get fun for any neutral. It's Barcelona, the Guajanquil. Barcelona SC, the Ecuadorian side. Adonis Preciado with the star. He gets a header from the center of the box, and he puts it in the bottom left corner, beating Marcos Filippi, and it is 1-1. And the Ecuadorians technically ahead on away goals now, and the pouring rain had stopped. And when the rain stopped at the Maracanã, Barcelona came out and started to play and leandro martinez with the cross finds preciado's head and he has no trouble putting it away one one now in the second half a couple of substitutions by both teams but then in the 76th leandro martinez is shown his second yellow card he is off for a bad foul on some well and barcelona down to 10 you Makes you think they're just going to sit in and play for the 1-1, right? Well, they sort of did. Iago Felipe with the chance for Fluminense in the 77th, but it's blocked. However, as the match starts, heading towards its crescendo, and as Hajer Machado makes attack-minded substitutions, they get blindsided a little bit here in the final moments as we're in stoppage time. And we have a penalty called. Yes, we do. A penalty in stoppage time. Or actually, it's just before stoppage time. It's in the 87th minute. Nino is shown a yellow card for a foul in the penalty area. He didn't agree with it. He told the referee to go check the VAR. We had a little bit of a delay. The referee kept pointing to his ear. However, time came. Time went. And the penalty was upholded. And stepping up to take it was Gabriel Cortez for Barcelona. And he converts the penalty with a right-footed shot to the bottom right corner. He beats Marcus Philippe. And it looks like Barcelona are going to take not just two away goals with them back to Ecuador, but they're going to take the win as well. But we spoke just a little too soon because in the 90th plus two, Carlos Garces is shown a yellow card. And um, that is, of course, for a foul against Abel Hernandez. Abel, the substitute, comes on for Fluminense and wins a penalty in the dying moment. Finally, after much discussion and after a var check, 90 plus four, Fredge steps up and the third. The third uh, highest Brazilian scorer in the history of the Copa Libertadores adds another one to his tally. 2-2. Everything to play for this coming week in Ecuador. So that's where the Copa Libertadores stands. Take a short break here. When we come back, we're going to switch gears just a little to CONCACAF. And we're going to review the two matches this week in CONCACAF. And also run down some of the results in in um, some European action. All right, we're going to take a quick 30-second break here on the Parking the Bus podcast. I am the Mr. Mike Agostino, your host. If you're watching live, you can see right there on your screen my Twitter handle. That's at Mike MikeAgostino. Make sure you give it a follow. That's at M-I-K-E-A-G-O-S-T-I-N-H-O. And also, of course, follow the show at PTB underscore media. And that handle is on Twitter and on Instagram, that PTB underscore underscore media, of course. And don't forget to check out ParkingTheBusMedia.com, www.ParkingTheBusMedia.com. All right, we'll be right back with more to talk about here on Episode 71 of Parking the Bus. You're listening to the Parking the Bus podcast here on the PTB Media Network, your English language home of Copa Libertadores. And welcome back to Parking the Bus, episode 71 here on the PTB Media Network. Your host, the Mr. Mike Agostinho, here with you again tonight. So we're going to CONCACAF now, and it is the semifinals of the CONCACAF Champions League. I absolutely love this competition. I may be one of the only people in the world that says that, but I follow this competition very closely every single year. I'm always captivated by it. There's always the MLS versus Liga Mekis dynamic that has, since its inception, been dominated by Liga Mekis. And now for the last four, five, six seasons, we've seen MLS close the gap and really get close but we haven't seen them win it yet, and it, it, they're they're in trouble. Um, I think MLS this year had a real underperformance in this competition, especially given that now these key stages, these late stages, are played dead smack in the middle of the MLS season, with the Mexican sides in preseason mode or early season mode. That excuse is gone, but so are all the MLS teams, with the exception of one. Unfortunately, got three Liga Mecki sides out of in the final four here. So Wednesday night's first leg semi-final at the BBVA Stadium in Monterrey features two Liga MX sides. It is Monterrey, the Reados, taking on Cruz Azul. Let's look at the lineups quickly for that one. The visitors, the defending cha- Liga MX champions, they were the Clausura champions last spring. They're of course managed by Juan Re- Reynoso, and he sends out a four-one-four-one. Andres Cudinho is the goalkeeper. Juan Escobar, Pablo Aguilar, Julio Cesar Dominguez, and Ignacio Rivero are the four across the back. Rafael Baca is the holding midfielder behind the four attacking midfielders uh, with Walter Montoya down the right. Luis Romo and Yoshimar uh, Jotun in the center. And Orbelin Pineda, the left-sided midfielder, playing behind the striker, the Uruguayan, Jonathan Rodriguez. For Monterrey, for the Reados, playing for Javier Aguirre, their former Mexico manager, former, uh, I want to say, athletic Bilbao, Sevilla manager. He managed a couple teams in, in La Liga. He is the manager for Monterrey. Now, his goalkeeper in his 4 3 3 is Esteban Andrada. His four across the back, John Medina is on the right. Cesar Montes and Sebastian Vargas are the center backs, with Jesus Gajardo down the left. Carlos Rodriguez, Celso Ortiz, and Arturo Gonzalez make up the three-man midfield with the attacking uh, trio, very potent attacking trio of Maximiliano Meza down the right, uh, Duvan Vergara down the left, and the striker, of course, is the newly naturalized Mexico international Rogelio Funes Mori. KG matchup two teams that knew each other well but early on it was all Monterrey, and early on Monterrey come up with what ends up being the difference in this match it is mezza it's Mick maximiliano mezza scoring in the ninth minute he uh, collects his goal is uh, at a moment when the match was still very much uh the two teams are still feeling each other out here at the BBVA, and It was like I said, still very early, but it was Carlos Rodriguez with the cross. He brings it down the left, centers it from left to center in swinging right to the head of Maximiliano Mesa, and Mesa makes it 1 0. Um, Cruz Azul would then try to make some adjustments. They would start to go forward. Cruz Azul starting to press. we would, see, we would see the tempo of the match increase as well. But the home crowd firmly behind uh, behind the Reados, behind Monterrey, And throughout the second half, you would see Monterey starting to gain in influence, starting to gain in their determination. They were looking for a second one. In the six, 61st minute, uh, Cesar Montes very nearly... Made it 2-0 with a header, but it was blocked. Uh, Jonathan Rodriguez had an opportunity a few minutes later to level, but it didn't happen. Substitution in the 62nd minute, a double substitution for Javier Aguirre. Daniel Parra replaces Duvan Begara, and and actually it's a single substitution. And a minute later, Rogelio Funes Mori misses an opportunity getting on the end of a ball from Arturo Gonzalez, but his shot from outside the box just a little too high. Uh, Robert Alvarado replaces Josimar Jotun in the 65th for Cruz Azul, as does Guillermo Hernandez replacing Luis Romo. And it's still Monterrey looking looking dangerous as Funes Mori has another opportunity. This time his header hits the bar from very close range off another cross from Carlos Rodriguez. Arturo Gonzalez has an opportunity from close range, left footed shot. And, um, he was set up on that one by Carlos Rodriguez as well. Carlos Rodriguez, obviously very involved in a lot of the plays that are making the difference in this match. Fast forwarding another substitution here. 78th minute on comes Vincent Johnson. He replaces Rogelio Funes Mori. That's the end of the of the night for the, n- the new Mexico international. Joaquin Martinez enters the match with Cruz Azul in the 80th, replacing Ignacio Ribeiro, as does. Brian Angulo replacing Orvalin Pineda. Alvarado has a free, he wins a, a free kick in the attacking half in the 81st minute, being fouled by Ma- Maximiliano Neza. But on the ensuing cross, a foul is called against Pablo Aguilar in the area, uh, negating any kind of offensive uh, opportunity that could have been created there. Yellow card for Aguilar uh, a minute later on another bad foul. Alvarado, rep- Jose Alvarado replaces Maximiliano Meza in the 88th and Matias Kren- Krenvetter replaces Arturo Gonzalez in the 88th as well. The match would play out till 90 plus six, but in the end it is Monterey. It is Rayados, Reados seeing it out, taking the one 0 nil victory with them to the Azteca next in the next round, or I should say in the second leg, which is an absurd amount of time away the second legs are in are in the second or third week of they're about 1 month from now uh not sure why why concacaf took this approach of putting an entire month between these two legs um obviously doesn't make too much sense to me but this is this is concacaf after all and guess what what will happen again in the next round again the two Azteca teams are going to play home legs on back-to-back nights. This is something Concacaf cannot get there, cannot get right. Of course, you're talking about the Confederation that plays. It's it's championship. It's Gold Cup with two matches on the same day on the same pitch. All right, putting semifinals in the same stadium sometimes. Putting putting uh you know a full day of matches all on the same pitch. They love this this stuff. I don't think they really worry too much about it. Um. So get ready for the pitch at the at the Azteca, which has a hard time. You know, it, it suffers from overuse. And September 14th and 15th is going to be overused again. Two two matches back to back nights. Hopefully, it doesn't rain like it did this past week in Mexico City. And actually, I, I should correct myself because I'm an, I'm about to go into the next match, and that's not gonna happen next time because Clue America just played their home leg, the second leg, of course is in Philadelphia but that moves me to so take back what i just said about concacaf but let's move to uh let's move to the other first leg tie at the azteca that i just talked about but still a rainy night in the azteca and that's the that's what reminded me that they had already played the, the first leg there because it was it was a heavy ra- a night of rain in the azteca america taking on philadelphia union of course the lone survivors left from major league soccer And spoiler alert, I'm hoping to be in the stadium on September 15th for the second leg. I am hoping to make it work out that I can travel to Philadelphia for that one. Stay tuned. I don't know yet. Um, That's my hope. And I'm hoping that it can all line up and that I can get the time off I need, obviously, from work and that I can get, you know, and that. You know that I can of course acquire a ticket and whatnot and get into the into the Subaru park that night for that important second leg now the lineups here America in their home stadium playing for uh, Santiago solari a manager that i enjoying watch I'm enjoying watching evolve in front of my eyes since arriving here at uh, Club America of course he's already won the club World Cup as manager of Real Madrid. While he was the caretaker manager, so a lot of pedigree in Santi Solari. Um, I think he brings a a level of class and a he brings a mentality of a higher level to Club America. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna deny that that they're who I'm pulling for in this competition. I'm always pulling for Club America, but in this competition, I really want. I think they have a really good chance here um, to win this competition, even more so than to win a very competitive Liga Mekis uh playoffs that are very crammed into just into three weeks, six matches and three weeks it takes to win the Liga Mekis. That's not the case here in the copa uh in the CONCAF Champions League. So I'm very much in the corner here of Santi Solari and of Club America. No no qualms about it. I'm not gonna hide it. I'm not but um, they're a team I always root for, America. They, okay, they start in a 4-1-4-1 4-1 as well. This seems to be the preferred formation among Mexican sides. Uh, Guillermo Ochoa, back from his bronze medal winning performance in the Olympic Games, back in goal, literally arrived on Wednesday. And on Thursday, he is back in the starting position uh, after flying around the world from Tokyo back to Mexico City. In the back, the four, Jorge Sanchez on the right, Sebastian Caceres and Emiliano. and Emmanuel Aguilera in the center. Well, Salvador Reyes, the very informed Salvador Reyes is the left back. Pedro Aquino in the hole, um, playing as the holding midfielder behind. Francisco Cordova, Richard Sanchez, Alvaro Fidalgo, and Mauro Lainez, the younger brother of Diego Lainez, uh, who, uh, er, who won a championship, a Liga MX title er- earlier in his career. With uh, Club America. And of course, Roger Martinez is the striker for Philadelphia. uh, Jim Curtin sends out, of course, his Jamaica international Andre Blake in goal 4 1, 2 1 2 is the formation he chooses. Olivier Mabaiso is the right back. Jacob Glesnies and Jack Elliott, the center back pairing with Kai Wagner down the left. Jose Andreas Martinez is is in the holding position in a diamond for midfield Alejandro Bedoya and Leon Flack, the two um, box-to-box midfielders, if you will, in that in that diamond with Daniel Gazdag playing as the 10. And Sergio Santos is the striker along with Kuyper Pribilco. Trubilco, I think it's pronounced Trubilco, um for the Philadelphia Union, and it was a night that belonged to America. Uh, Philly just, this occasion seemed a little big for them. Um, They did rest players at the previous weekend in their match against New England. They had rotated the squad out, trying to get them as fresh as possible to Mexico City. But again, uh, on a night where the heat was not a condition, on a night where America are not in mid-season form, not even close... Philadelphia still unable to take advantage. Jim Curtin said as much in his press conference that they just didn't take advantage of any of the things that were going in their favor. And in the 17th minute, Richard Sanchez it gets on the end of one. It was a free kick that had been, it started off being a free kick being taken by, by Reyes. It hits the wall, comes back to Sanchez. Sanchez hits it first time. It deflects off one of the Philadelphia players and it beats Andre Blake one nil to the home side. The nearly 20,000, I want to say it was nearly 20,000 that were in the stand for this one um, in the Azteca come to their feet as America take the lead. And then in the 80th, we'll fast forward in the 80th. Penalty is called. Uh, The guys over on Fox don't agree with it. I watched this on Fox. Of course, Maurice Adu is a former USA player, a former Philadelphia Union player. He is not accepting this. He thought that the referee got it wrong. In the end, the referee goes to the VAR. The VAR um, verifies that it's a penalty kick. And, and actually, the referee originally had to let play continue. A good minute to a minute and a half played out before the referee final, before play stopped and the referee went over to the monitor to take a look at it. The Guatemalan referee looks at it and then comes back, does the box. And anytime they come back from the monitor and they do this, they make the box, right? If you're listening on the podcast, you obviously can't see me do that. But if they make the box with their two pointer fingers, you know they're changing their call. That's the first sign. And then he points to the spot. Penalty. Upsteps Richard Sanchez. And Richard Sanchez. Sorry, upsteps. I misspoke. Emmanuel Aguilera steps up. And he beats Andre Blake. 2-0 to Las Aguilas. And that's how this first leg would finish. Las Aguilas America win 2-0, and they'll take a 2-0 lead with them to the east coast of the United States September 15th. Like I said, I hope to be down there. I don't know yet, but my thought is that I can get down there for this one and uh, check it out live and in person and maybe do a post-show from Philly if possible um, for this one. More to come on that you know, when we get closer to it. All right, that is CONCACAF Champions League action. Let's quickly run down some of the results from the UEFA Champions League qualifiers earlier this week as I'm changing up the screen on my phone here where I have all of these results saved. And, um, of course, the UEFA Champions League now at its its third qualifying phase heading into the final qualifying phase that's called the playoff. But we'll look at it here. And we'll start with my club <laughs> uh, just because it's easy and I have that ready for me. It will start on Tuesday, August the 10th, and it is my club. It is Benfica taking on Spartak Moscow. Benfica coming in with a 2-0 aggregate lead to start the to start the, the round. And they would do likewise in the second leg on a night that belonged to João Mario, the, the recent signing from Inter Milan. Portugal international Joao Mario, he would score in the 58th. Gigo would get an own goal in the 90th plus two, and Benfica would win two nil on the night, four nil on aggregate. Benfica advance in the Champions League preliminary phases. Now just one round away from the Champions League proper, the the pressure continues to augment, continues to increase, and they will be playing against. PSV Eindhoven, who were 1-0 winners over Danish side Michelin. And they would finish by winning the tie 4-0 on aggregate. So PSV versus Benfica in this next round. The other scores on Tuesday. uh, FC Sheriff 1-0 winners over Red Star Belgrade. Uh, Slavia Prague 1-0 winners over Ferenc Kovaros. Shakhtar Donetsk beat Gank 2-1. Ludigretz, Razgrad, eliminate Olympiakos. The match ends 2-2 on the night, and it goes to penalties. Remember, no more away goals in Europe. We were just talking about the away goals in the other two competitions. In this one, there's no such thing. As a result, Olympiakos do not advance on away goals. Our friend Leo is going to be very happy about that, um, as he is a a hardcore Panathinaikos fan. And um, these are his rivals, so he's going to be very happy they're not playing in Europe. They're not playing in the Champions League this season. Finishes 3-3 on aggregate over the tie, over the two legs. And Ludogratz win 4-1 on penalties. Moving on, uh, Monaco 3-0 winners over Sparta Prague. Young Boys beat Cluj 3-1. And Dinamo Zagreb beat Legia Warsaw 1-0. Rangers eliminated. They lose once again. They lose both legs. This one they lose at home at at Ibrox uh two to one to the Swedish side, Malmo. Um, and that brings us to this week. Here are this week's ties. So here we go. There are two paths in in this in this competition. There is the champions path and the league path, as they call it. So on the champions path, um, I'm actually not sure which teams belong to which path. So I'm just gonna I'm just going to read off the six ties we have left, okay? Three of these clubs will be, sorry, no, six Six of these next 12 clubs I read off will qualify for the Champions League group stage, okay? So FC Sheriff is going to take on Dinamo Zagreb. Monaco take on uh, Shekhtar Donetsk. Red Bull Salzburg take on Bronby. Benfica versus PSV Eindhoven, as I had already said. Malmo take on Ludogorets. One of those sides are going to find themselves in the group stage, and that's what it's all about. And how about this one? Young boys taking on Ferencvaros of Hungary. One of those two will find themselves with the big boys in the in the uh, UEFA Champions League. Okay, um, we. Don't have time today, after all, for the League's Cup. I'll talk about that in another episode. Big deal. Um, In the Europa League. Let's let's look quickly at the Europa League. And I'm going to bring that up for you here. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, we'll talk Europa League. We'll talk... uh, We'll talk Copa Sudamericana and Conference League as well as we get ready for the final segment and what's left of it here on this special Monday night edition of Parking the Bus. I'll be right back. <laughs> All right, so Europa League qualifying action, third qualifying round as well, Tuesday, August the 10th. Omonia Nicosia of Cyprus. They lose on the night 2-1, to one, but they win on penalties. They advance to the next round. Slovan Bratislav uh defeat the Lincoln Red Imps F- Lincoln Red Imps FC and um sorry they don't defeat they draw 1-1 and the the tie ends with with Slovan Bratislava advancing 4-2 on aggregate Al Shakurt FC 3-2 winners after extra time over Karat Almaty the Kazakhstan side go out they are notable notable for being one of the best Futsal clubs in the world. They they uh, were beaten in the semifinals last uh, season by Sporting Lisbon, um, after having eliminated Benfica in the in the UEFA Futsal uh, Champions League. If you know anything about futsal, you know that the two Portuguese giants are probably two of the best five teams in the world, along with Barcelona, uh, Inter, Movistar, and then this um, this Karat Almaty as probably the fifth-best team in the world. HJK, 3-0 winners over FK Nefci. Uh, and Orthosis win 2-1 over Rapid Vienne. Uh, Zalgris Vin- Vinicius will lose 1-0 to Mura at home. St. Johnstone beaten 4-2 on their home ground by Galatasaray. Celtic, 3-0 winners over Jabon Nick. Now in the conference league as well, uh, this is the brand new competition. So everything to play for here. Everyone's trying to make history. And there are some heavy hitters in the next round. Some of these teams have, have won the right to play some heavy hitters. We'll Talk about that more when we get there. And I'm going to do my best to pronounce all of these teams. This is going to be a real rapid fire here. All right. Coops beats Astana for three. Uh, Bodo Glimt beats Pristina two nil. Molde and Trabonspor draw 1-1. Trabonspor, the Turkish side, win on penalties. Kaurabag, FK, 1. Limassol, 0. Ruben, Kazan, 0. Roscoe, Chechua, 1. They advance after extra time. Hammerby, 5. Kukaraki, 1. Zelina, 5. Tubal, Kostane, 0. Hapoel, Beersheva, 4. Shlach, Klorkar, 0. Klorkar, 0. Uh Pauk 2 Bohemian of Ireland nil RFS nil Ghent one Victoria Pleasant 3 TNS 1 that one would go to penalties afterwards and Victoria Pleasant would advance on penalties Basel 4 Oopchest nil Fola 2 Linfield 1 Maccabi Maccabi Tel Aviv one Spartek terna- uh, Ternava nil Anderlecht 2 Lachi 1 Copenhagen four Lokomotiv Plodiv two Feyenoord, three Loserin nil uh Velez Mostar one Elfsborg four Hibernians one Riga FC four that one's after extra time uh Olympia nil Santa Clara one the Portuguese side advances Regica four Hibernian one and this is the second Hibernian I've I've uh Mentioned the, the others were Hibernian's. This is Hibernian FC. Okay. <laughs> Sivaspor, one. Dinamo Butumi, one. Uh, Tueta Durez, nil. Shamrock Rovers, two. Larne one. Passage de Fajeda, one. passes Advance. They, however, have the gift of facing Tottenham Hotspur in the next round. Uh, Aberdeen, two. Breda Bleak, one. Uh, Torshav, one. Maccabi Haifa, nil. Dundalk, one. Vites two. Uh, Lask six uh, Vojvodina, one, Partizan Belgrade two, Saki two penalties go to Partizan Belgrade, and Osijek one, PS PFC CSK Sofia one. That lines up. Uh, for the next round we'll we'll talk uh, conference league in the future all right lastly we're gonna go to the Copa Sudamericana we got less than five minutes here so here we go the Copa Sudamericana quarterfinal stage I would have wished to have more time to talk about this but at the end of the day I am running out of time here so we had obviously four matches this week. The, the most entertaining and the one I recommend you go back and watch if you have access to Be In Sport on any of the various platforms which Be In Sport is available on. I re- recommend you go back and watch Rosario Central take on Red Bull The Brazilian side struggling right now, just dropping points left and right in the Brasileirão, rotating their squad and sacrificing themselves in the league for this match. And it seems to have paid off here in the first leg. They go to Argentina. They go to Rosario. And it is a 4 3 win to the visitors. Rosario Central, three. Red Bull Bragantino, four. The goals in this one. Ruben and Caraglio pick up the goals for Rosario Central. Two of them to Ruben. Uh, Four. For Red Bull Bragantino. It is Prashides getting the first one in the 16th minute, which had put Red Bull ahead before. before before Artur Guimarães converts a penalty in the 20th, and then Artur would pick up two more, 43rd and 73rd, respectively. Brazilian side wins 4-3 on the road. Sporting Cristal 1, Pinarol 3, Liga de Quito LDU with a big victory against a side. You guys know I'm very high on Atlético Paranaense. It is Liga de Quito 1, Atlético Paranaense 0. At altitude. Now they come back to sea level. In Curitiba this week. Let's see if the hurricane can turn it around. And mark their spot in the last four. As they continue to fly the flag for Brazil. Also flying the flag for Brazil. Santos FC 2-1 winners on the night at home. Over Libertad. Alright. Second leg action this week. Lastly. I'm going to talk um, with what I've got left. About two minutes left. I'm going to use it to talk about the European Super Cup. And um, I think... I need to to note that I think this tournament is wildly disrespected by the English-speaking world, not just in England, but the English-speaking media and the English-speaking world. Chelsea win this final on penalties, and, of course, Chelsea's happy about it, but the fans of other English teams are quick to dismiss it, Um, quick to say, like, like, uh, Jose, you know, it's a tournament only Jose Mourinho cares about. Well, say that to the thousands of Villarreal fans that traveled from the coast in Spain, from the Valencian community, uh, the Valencian autonomous community, and traveled to uh, Belfast, Northern Ireland, traveled to Windsor Park for this one. Um, Would they do that for a preseason friendly? Come on. This is not a preseason friendly. UEFA has said that it is an official tournament, and the titles count as official titles for everyone involved. It is a final. It is the Champions League winner versus the Europa League winner. It's not the most important match in the world, but it's an official match. It is not a preseason match. It's actually the first official match. Tell anybody in South America that the Ricopa Sudamericana does not matter. They'll look at you like you are crazy. It's just another example of English elitism. And, and unfortunately, this is why everyone rooted against England in Euro 2020. It's this elitist... Viewpoint they have of themselves in the football world, and that they get to, they decide what's important and what's not. Remember, England didn't even participate in the World Cup, not because they didn't qualify, but because they were not interested until 1950. All right, I'm running out of time, so that's my, that's my two cents on that. All right, I'll be back tomorrow to talk about Liga Argentina, Brasileiro, Liga MX, and Major League Soccer. Lots to talk about tomorrow, so I'll catch you there. This is the Mister Mike Agustiniu. Signing off for Parking the Bus uh, Media Network here on um, www.parkingthebusmedia.com. On YouTube, you're watching on the PTB Media Network's page. And, of course, on Periscope uh, through the PTB Media Network, Parking the Bus Twitter handle. And I'll see you tomorrow. This is the Mr. Signing off. Good night, everybody.